Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Here's Armstrong and Getty. But before we get to dog talk, this. The Rubik's Connected Cube, a new interactive way to solve. Are you still struggling to complete that Rubik's Cube? All you need is a virtual tutor. Power your solve. Connected Cube from Rubik's. So it is uh, the new smart... the 80s get in a time machine and visit the 21st century? Well, my kids like Rubik's Cubes, but this is the new smart Rubik's Cube. Oh, yeah, it's still popular. They don't have the stick-to-itiveness, well... They don't have the lack of other things to do that I had. Because um, I spent hundreds of hours on the Rubik's Cube. A lot of that was on the school bus home, though. I had like an hour ride home on the bus every single day. And uh, we all did Rubik's Cubes. I suppose now you would sit there with your phone and do what you do on your phone. How I understand it is this new one, you if you make a wrong move, it will tell you, oh, no, do this and yeah, the it new, will burn you. The new smart Rubik's Cube Wi-Fi version gives you steps to solve it. That's the whole point of the Rubik's Cube, you numb nut. It's to, to, to try to figure it out with your own dang brain. If it tells you how to do it, what's the point? I've got a new machine that hits the perfect golf shot every time. You just program it, stand back, and let it hit the golf ball exactly where you want it. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Not quite the same, like because this is training you the steps to actually solve the Rubik's Cube. So after you have learned... Because I've I have friends who can solve these things in like thirty seconds, and I've tried to learn, and I just quit. I can get most of the sides. I got pretty good at it, but I was never a solve the whole thing guy. But there, but there is absolutely a sequence of patterns, and you recognize, okay, I got mm-hmm. three colors on this side, which means I need to do move X, Y, and Z to get it to where I need That's it to be. Stupid. So, so once you have learned how to solve it with this, you then can pick up other Rubik's cubes, and then you know be the hit at all the parties and pick up all the <laughs> okay, ladies okay. once you know after the vaccine hits. <laughs> oh yeah, they can't stop themselves. Wow. That makes me so <laughs> horny watching you solve that puzzle. That you learned from a computer. No, you don't tell them that part. You oh, just pick okay. it up and you you just do it with one hand while you're while you're sipping a drink holding the conversation. <laughs> you know, I think I see your point, Jack, but I I am so miserable at that sort of thing. That whole spatial relationships but where then, it's gonna be when I twist the thing. Then, I I need help. But I would think it wouldn't be entertaining to you then. You just wouldn't do it. Do something else. Well, I just, I just, my brain doesn't work. I cannot come up with the processes on my own. I just can't. You know, that, that's interesting. That, that kind of gets to the, the, the math thing, maybe. Like my son, I really, he struggles with math and I really recognize in him his inability to, to do some things that I do automatically that I just assumed everybody does automatically. And it just doesn't make sense to him. His brother, it does. And that is a process. It's like, oh, okay. If you, uh, if you, if you have that, that's an easy way to figure out how it's going to fit, you know, just various math things, a process for figuring out problems in your head. And my one son does it automatically and my one doesn't. And if you don't, I don't think there's any way to make you do it. <laughs> you just either can or you can't with math anyway, I think. Hey, we screwed up. We were supposed to do uh, an ad for our friends at Simply Safe last segment. So we've got to uh, do this real quick. And then you've got to call and or, or click on the website and get a Simply Safe home security system. Great system. Award winning. Great. You people. haven't called Simply Safe so you don't care about your family? Don't care. Oh, you don't care about your kids. 
That's interesting. Don't that's, care about your kids. That's, that's an interesting tack to take in the commercial. But uh, what really <laughs> sets Simply Safe apart is the people. When an alarm goes off, a person is there to make sure you're okay. They will send fire, police responders, medical, whatever you need. And, and Simply Safe is such a great system. It's How about your pets? Do you care? Oh, Yo, you don't care about your pets? Oh, you do care about your pets. Then you're not going to want to go to simplysafe.com. U.S. News called Simply Safe the very best home security of 2021. Oh, you do want the best security <laughs> that's available for your pets and your children. So you're not a bad person. Boy, so you use the stick to hit people, then you jab them in the eye with the carrot. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you understand the carrot and stick thing. Shove the carrot down their throat. I'm talking about carrot. All right, so here's what you got to do. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You'll customize your system, get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Do this so we don't lose our jobs. Anywho, um, I was going to talk about dogs. What makes a dog a dog? That's, uh, dogs, as I think we all know, are uh, a, a step down the evolutionary scale from wolves. In Step between, down, like uh, or up, depending on how you want to look at it. Okay. Um, so that sideways. Uh, in between is the dingo, the Australian dingo, which uh, made it partway, but then never made it any further. And because they didn't breed them in the same way or treat them in the same way as we did in the rest of the world, dingoes kind of stayed evolutionary, evolutionary speaking, where they are. Stupid, stupid dingo. A dingo is a wolf on its way to becoming a dog that never quite got there. Hmm. Dingoes give us a glimpse of what we what was there when we started the domestication process. But it talks about what makes a dog a dog, and a couple of the main things are... If they got a dad who's a dog and a mom who's a dog, that's what makes it a dog. If, you can, if two dogs had sex and they had puppies, that's what makes it a dog. If you can bring me a tennis ball when I throw it, that makes you a dog. If you just look at it, like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? You're probably a dingo. If you Stupid eat me... Stupid freaking dingo. you eat me... You're a wolf. Um, What makes a dog a dog? Dogs evolved alongside humans eating a human agricultural diet of starches, Mm. maize, rice, potatoes, and wheat that they, over, you know, centuries and centuries, thousands of years, developed an ability to live on that food the same way people do. And then being bred by humans. That's funny. um, My dog eats a no-grain diet. So is he not a dog? Is that what you're saying? What does he eat? It's uh, like protein and, and meat and stuff. Mm-hmm. You do that on purpose? Not grains. Or does he choose yeah. that? You have an yeah, bu- open it... buffet and he just chooses what he wants. <laughs> He's hardcore into the keto thing. <laughs> Not just for his, his skin and his uh, itchiness and stuff like that. The vets have recommended that. You know, it's really interesting with dogs since we've got we've multiple. We've had at various times four or five. We've got three currently. Um when they get the whole pecking order thing going, who's in charge? And that's completely, you know, a mystery because it's definitely not always the biggest dog. When Bianca was still alive, it was always her. And she mm-hmm. was dang near 200 pounds and she was clearly the cool. boss. We that's had a, a big dog. When she, yeah. yeah. Well, it's two 100 pound dogs and a 100 pound dog is a freaking giant dog. Yes. Anyway, um, when she left, left she got on a bus and said goodbye hugged us all <laughs> that's it moved to florida <laughs> this family sucks and she she died of old age yeah. um and she's buried out uh, by a tree and she's got a little plaque and it's very nice nice here lies bianca the dog um 
But when she left, there was a lot of problems with the other three dogs for a while as they tried to figure out who's in charge at that point. Because she'd always been in charge. She ate first, everybody watched. She decided where she was going to lay down, you didn't get to lay there. She took the good spot. But after she was gone, and then then they all looked at, well, I kind of want to, that's the good spot over there. That's the closest to the house. It's nice and warm there. Um, I think I'll lay there. No, what do you mean? Why why would you get to lay there now that she's gone? I'm going to lay there. And they had some serious problems for a while. It was weird to watch. Like dogs that had never, had never been anything but like best of friends. Um, all of a sudden, you know, snarling and biting at each other until, and then magically, it seems to have gotten settled somehow. And now somebody's in charge, and then they all just accept it. Unlike human beings, they seem to just say, "Okay, it's done now. You're in charge. I'm second. You're third, and we're done. Let's not think about this anymore." It reminds me of political parties when the incumbent president get, doesn't get reelected, or he serves out his two terms and, and goes into retirement. Then there's a mad scramble for, uh, you know, who's in charge, who's second, who's third. But for a while, the littlest dog, um, Mimi the Pug, uh, ate before her uh, bigger brother. Um, she would eat, and he'd lay there watching. You know, we'd fill up the fill up a food bowl, and he would lay there and watch. I guess I'll wait till you're done eating, which is a dominance thing, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, and she'd eat and get completely done and lick her lips and everything like that, and then go, okay, I'm done. You can eat now and walk off. And then he would finally get to eat. And it's reversed since. I have no idea why. Um, now and now she'll lay there. I'm really hungry, but I guess I better let you eat first. Isn't that something that that, that they do that? Maybe they worked out a, an agreement, some sort of alternate thing. For six months, you're dominant, then I'm dominant. And then I've always wondered how that translates into human beings. And like, I don't, I don't think I've got any of that. But like we've talked about this before, I had a a a, a, a very large friend, like when I was in college, big guy football player. And he would walk into a bar, and he'd immediately know where the other big guy was in the bar. And that guy would know where he was, and they were probably going to end up fighting. And I wonder if that was just very basic, kind of like the dog thing. I don't have that because I'm just not, you know, I'm not playing in those waters of that even being a possibility Mm -hmm. for me to be that guy. But for them, it seemed very important that they determine who was the toughest guy in that place. Wow, very primal. Yeah, it just kind of completely unnecessary in my experience. <laughs> yes, yes, dumb. For the rest of us, it just it doesn't seem cool or yay for you. It just seems dumb. We're gonna get inebriated and eat half-assed appetizers. You know the crappy appetizers. And perhaps, probably ourselves. not, but one of us might uh, end up encumbered, but uh, but unlikely. But we'll try it again anyway, defying all, right. all odds. Right, sure. You two are gonna fight and determine which of you is the toughest at this moment. And somehow get satisfaction from that. I will attempt to couple with someone of the opposite sex. But it would only make sense that that's in our in our in our beings if the dogs act that way. Somebody's got to be in charge. Yeah, it's tough. Physically, the, yeah, we're we're struggling because Baxter. We adopted him, and we're not a hundred percent sure about his early life. And he shows some fear aggression, and we we need to get him socialized with other dogs because. The working out, as you pointed out, the working out of who's dominant and, and who's not, even at a dog park or whatever, because dogs work that out, um, it, it looks ugly and it looks yeah, scary. Yeah. And a lot of people freak out over it. It's yeah. usually over in 30 seconds. But, you know, if if the other person's dog is bleeding from the eye, right. that causes, uh, you know, bad feelings. Yeah. So anyway, how's your day? My dog's bleeding from the eye now. Is what's what's going on here? They worked it out. They had look. My dog bit your dog's face. All right, let's get over it. So uh, you live around here. And then where's the whole humping thing fit in? 
That's usually on the weekends. That's usually on the weekends. (laughs) When one dog really cares for another dog, Jack. (laughs) Very much. (laughs) Well, that dominance part. The one, the one that's being humped always seems to be completely oblivious. To <laughs> well, they're acting like they're oblivious because they don't appreciate the humiliation of being humped. Right there in the dog park. All right, you're dominant already. Quit humping me. <laughs> the one that's doing the humping, though, I mean, it seems pretty clear by the look on their face that they realize they're being dominant. The one that's on the the, the humpy, well, it seems like I I don't know what you're doing. I just. I'll wait till you're done. Necessary. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Well, you know, you can relate that to things that happen in prison, too. The whole uh, dominance thing. That's a slightly less intellectual environment than the one most of us operate in. That's a pure physical. uh, And and you know what? It's it's somewhat dog like. Mm -hmm. Just like physical brutality, sexual brutality, whatever. Yeah. Troubling. I turned this troubling. Why? What was I thinking? I don't know. And did you know, uh, and then I'll end with this, I was reading about this the other day in a different article about uh, the the dogs over the centuries um, developing their amazing sense of hearing and everything like that. They they think uh, co-evolved with human beings. Some of our senses got dulled that dogs took over. We took care of their needs for food and that sort of stuff, so they didn't need to be able to bring down a, a, an antelope or whatever. We'll provide the food, but your hearing needs to get much better so that I can sleep soundly during the night, but hear if anybody's trying to sneak up on our campground. Hmm. Does that make any sense to you? I'm not sure if I buy that, uh, that evolutionarily speaking. I, I, you know, I don't know enough to, that we to co-evolved really... with dogs that way. Well, yeah, but what's the advantage of having duller hearing? Uh, if your senses are zero sum, then the whatever energy was going to hearing can now go to sight or so reaping yeah, and sowing or whatever. Senses I, are are not zero sum. You don't know I, that. You're, I find your premise to be uh, ridiculous, childlike, insulting. <laughs> now step aside. I'm going to eat first, <laughs> and then hump you. What? <laughs> Nuh-uh. <laughs> No, I'm not. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. YouTube launches settings for kids under 13. That's something we have trouble with on YouTube because my kids want to do things on YouTube, but there's a lot of stuff on YouTube you don't want your kids to see. A lot of stuff. And they do have a kids YouTube network, but it's for pretty small kids. And my uh, almost 11-year-old and 9-year-old, it's just too little kid for them. So, like, I often have to, like, find what they want to watch on YouTube and then, you know, hand them the iPad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because of the way YouTube is. Well, they got a new setting now for kids under the age of 13. So it's um, slightly older kids. And in theory, it, it'll do a good job of filtering out stuff. Now, there are those, uh, they should be put in prison malcontents who try to get troubling things on YouTube past the censors, masquerading as kids stuff. It's really weird. Yeah, like, they do like the first 40 seconds is legitimate kids content, then it switches to something terrible. Yeah, like that Momo character that horrifies my kids. Or, oh, but, um, but anyway, yeah. so they got a new setting for YouTube. 
uh, goes up to age I know 13. practically nothing about the wilds of YouTube. I mean, I just I see the stuff I'm looking for, which is generally you know te- yeah, well, you newsy or music or whatever. Yeah, and you might you wouldn't notice because you're a grown up and you know you surf the news, but. I notice because often my kids are there, and you can you can be searching for something, and it, the, under the suggested videos, it might have some of the news of the day beheading in India, you know, whatever, Ugh. right there next to a video game guy. It's it can, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing I was going to mention, just because I saw this, Dunkin' Donut kicks off spring with new menu items. They now have avocado toast at Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, good. And a blueberry matcha latte. A guy, I need that, I'm sure. I'm the last guy to uh, be into the hip food of the moment, but I think I've made this clear. Judy and I really like avocado. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. It's fantastic. Just don't tell anybody you're eating it. Nobody cares. It's like being the gluten-free thing. You want to be gluten-free, it's healthy for you, fine. Just don't don't announce it to the world, all right? Just do it. Don't proselytize. Just eat. Shut up and eat. Shut up and eat. Oh, I just saw a picture of the New York Post had that picture of the... Do you remember the story of the sea penis? <laughs> the what? <laughs> Some sort of worm or fish that really looks like a penis. I think we talked oh. about this a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah they call the penis it a, fish. Or... They call it a sea penis. Yes, S-E-A. I don't. You don't? Yeah. Um, call it by its proper Latin name. What do you call it? it the governor? You got a name for it? A cute name for it? or? <laughs> no. I'll go with the uh, scientific taxonomy. None of this ridiculous penis nickname garbage. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Chewing it and I suffer depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I came across this in the Wall Street Journal. This is getting a fair amount of attention, but this is the editorial board's version of how Benjamin Franklin has become a person of concern. Oh. Washington, D.C. also proposes to cancel Washington and Jefferson. Uh, Benjamin Franklin's famous quote, a republic if you can keep it. Uh, did he actually say it or is it apocryphal? It doesn't make any difference. It might as well be true. Uh, but but the idea was, um, can people govern themselves or will it go the way of a self-governance that always has, where you just break into factions and you, it all falls apart and it gets ruined? <laughs> Right. Well, the Wall Street Journal is sort of making the point that maybe maybe that is the direction we're going. Um, because Benjamin Franklin said it, and he no longer is going to be a founding era uh, person that you're going to be able to see in Washington, D.C. If this new panel in Washington, D.C. gets its way, they've identified Benjamin Franklin, among other founders, as persons of concern and recommended their names be removed from D.C. property. This is straight out of Soviet Russia. I mean, it's they didn't even change the words. I mean, it is straight out of the Politburo. The astonishing proposals come from a Washington, D.C. government committee formed by Mayor Muriel Bowser to oh. reexamine the names of schools, statues, and parks in the wake of protests. The this co- chick doesn't get enough attention for being awful. The committee submitted its report Monday, and Ms. Bowser... Um, uh, passed it along to the next step of it, of it happening. The committee says it hunted for historical figures with key disqualifying histories, including participation in slavery, systemic racism, <laughs> mistreatment of or actions that suppressed equality for persons of color, women, and LGBTQ communities. So uh, Franklin was tough on the transgenders, huh? Yeah, sure, right. 
So the founding fathers weren't open-minded enough about uh, gay, bi, trans uh, rights. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't. And neither would you have been if you lived then, you lying liar. Neither was hardly anybody else in the world. I mean, like, talking 99% here. Oh, at least. At least. And I'm, you know, being charitable. I mean, if you're going to include that in there, you, you're you not going to be able to have anybody's name on anything that that existed prior to, like, 2010. I mean, like, oh, nobody. I mean, Barack Obama Barack ran out. He ran on marriages between a man and a woman. Yep. Hillary Clinton, out, canceled, canceled. Come on, Michael, what are we paying you for in there? What anyway, are you doing? You flipping through a comic book? If uh, if you if your life if your life and attitudes weren't on the right side of slavery, systemic racism, mistreatment of or actions that suppressed equality for persons of color, women, and LGBTQ communities, you have violated the DC Human Rights Act. I hate to sound like the racist, anti-racist lunatics, but you're either with these people or you have to come off the sidelines and fight this stuff, folks. In your schools, in your town, at your city council, you have to be willing to stand up. You compared it to Soviet uh, Russia. I still think it uh, reminds me more of the French Revolution since I've been doing a lot about reading about that, particularly this part. The bureaucrats worked with uncharacteristic dispatch, taking six weeks to render the judgment of history on 1,330 properties named for people. That's what's so French Revolution style is it's just the fever. It's just the, the excitement in the air. People are in the park, people in the streets. We're going to do something big and we're going to do it right now. Yeah. Without calming down for a second. Right. And it's moving so fast and everybody's got such a head of steam that nobody's got the guts to stop them. As I've been saying over and over, uh, people who study this sort of thing think it only takes like 15% of worked up revolutionaries to get a revolution going. Mm-hmm. You got a whole bunch of other people who are scared, to, who kind of agree, but think you're going too far. You got a bunch of people who don't agree, but are afraid they're going to get run over and lose their jobs or their heads if they get in the way. Right. And it, it doesn't take that many people to, to, uh, do a lot of damage. The committee wants the Franklin School Historic Landmark renamed and recommends that D.C. petition the federal government to remove, relocate, and contextualize a federally owned Franklin statue. Actually, this article starts with a big picture of Benjamin Franklin that's up in the halls of the Senate, right, where everybody walks into the chamber. Right, yeah. It recommend, it offers the same recommendation for the federal Washington Monument. Yeah, the big one, the big white one. We need one. to contextualize that. Yes, yes. Some other school names the committee wants scrubbed. Thomas Jefferson, author of the Declaration of Independence. The, uh, Francis Scott Key, author of the Star-Spangled Banner. Alexander Graham Bell, inventor of the telephone. James Monroe, who negotiated the Louisiana Purchase and was our fifth president. Um, Well, if you're going to include that whole nut job list of they were not kind of LGBTQ yeah. people... You like got to get rid of Madison then and, well, and Adams. Like and, I said, probably everybody whose thinking is prior to 2010. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Except for a tiny cabal of activists, and you can probably find something they said that isn't uh, up to the current politically correct lingo and cancel them as well. I'm sure you can. That's right. I'm sure you could find something with the the the, the Kennedys, Bobby or, or John, saying something unkind about. Oh, 100%. You know, trans or gay marriage or something like that. I'm sure you could. Well, how about during the civil rights era, the stuff that uh, the Kennedys said about uh, various civil rights leaders? I mean, by today's standards, it's utterly unacceptable. So they're they're canceled, too. You might be able to keep, I don't know, like Millard Fillmore around, or there might be some... I doubt it. Only oh, no, the... no, it's impossible. Every... Si- well, and listen, I, I, I realize this starts to sound... um. 
like uh, in the weeds paranoid, but erasing history is one of the key aspects of imposing Marxism. There is no history but the present, and the party is the present. It's it's part of how they do it. The editorial board in the in the Wall Street Journal ends with this: um, Is Biden going to be uh, asked by anybody to comment on this? And will he stand up for the people who created this country? I don't know. I don't know how he'd answer that question. He's trying to avoid having to answer any of these questions. Yeah. But he is the standard bearer for the left currently. And Right. Yeah, it's a little frustrating. Although, whether it's the situation in Oregon where the sheriff's departments are saying, no, we're not going to help you out, Portland, until you start prosecuting people. Or, you know, there are a number of developments that give me a little bit of hope. There's a piece that getting a fair amount of attention. Was it originally in the uh, Atlantic or I'm not sure. Yeah, the Atlantic. John McWhorter wrote it. Um, Academics are really, really worried about their freedom is the headline. So lefty academics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the the trends that we've been saying are going to lead to real ugliness and we need to oppose them. They've gotten ugly and crazy enough that even that group of people, Jack, you were describing, who are kind of sympathetic would think those people are a little nuts. Um, they're starting to stand up. So we were talking. About, I don't know if the sane will win the day, but at least they're starting to stand up. We were talking about James Lindsay last hour, and if you're not into his act, man, you got to get into it and learn all. He is he is the best in America. He is. There need to be statues to him someday if he's able to turn this around. He is working tirelessly as he considers himself the number one expert on wokeism in America, and I'm sure he is, and he's writing books and doing videos and speaking anywhere he's allowed to speak and explaining all this to people. But anyway, his plan is, and I think this is a great idea, you have to get people on the record of what is too far, and you have to do it right now because we're screaming these directions so fast. If you get Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden, somebody on the record saying, no, the Washington Monument would be too far, Yes. then when this happens, you you know, it's, it's not going <laughs> to... Because incrementally, we keep going farther, and then by the time it gets there, the politicians don't have the courage to stand up to it. Right. Yeah, it would be good to get people on the record for that sort of thing, and there are all sorts of you know areas you could, you could ask, ask them about. Ask all people of power, what's too far? Where's your line? I remember the march through a neighborhood in Seattle where the, uh, the BLM lunatics were screaming at people, give up your house, give your house to a black person. Get the uh, politicians on the record. Do you think white people should be forcibly evicted from their homes for the sin of being white? It might be a rather long list of things. We'll have to have them uh, you know, go on the record, but I like the idea. I'm looking forward to reading that book. We're going to do a podcast review of it. Uh, Jack and I and uh, Craig Gottwalls and Tim Sandifer at some point. I need a deadline. I, I, we have to figure out when we're going to do the podcast. I work better with deadlines myself. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just uh, I'm in a particular uh, period of self pity and lethargy right now. So right. I really self pity yeah. and lethargy. Yeah, well, you get those together, that's a good stew of not getting stuff done. Oh yeah, yeah, it's terrible. But um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I've been there where it's, uh, it's 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 difficult to do hardly anything really. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call it like clinical depression or anything. It's just. I keep this stuff keeps breaking and I can't do any of my hobbies. And so I'm trying, I got to find something new to do. And I don't know what. Maybe I'll feel your soul being crushed yet. It's a bit of a soul crushing thing, but I don't have problems compared to people with real problems. So again, I'm trying not to whine too much, but it's, it's frustrating. Juggling? Have you taken up juggling? I, I have tried juggling. I am uniquely terrible at it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't seem to be good at it, but, um, I'd like to get back to fly fishing. I haven't fished in a long time. It's a good one. It is a good one. 
So much gear, though, and water. I don't know. And the fish. And the fish. They're slimy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my sexy pants on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm just going to read chunks that Sean nicely highlighted from this article in Slate by someone named Juka Sullivanin or something. Um... With two of Lenin's. Um, because uh, this is really well written. And it is about the secret of happiness. And, you know, wait for it. It gets to it here uh, after a bunch of different stuff. I don't know how you pronounce H Y G G E. Are you familiar with that word? It's a Nordic I am not, term. Sir. I am I'll, not. I'll call it high G. Is high G still a thing? The Danish concept of comfortable conviviality and all things cozy is supposed to capture the essence of Danish culture and has been marketed as the secret for happy living. Uh, the Danes regularly named the happiest people in the world when they do those studies. And I got, have the pronunciation of that word if you would like. Okay. Huga. Huga? Huga. Huga. Okay. Huga. A few years back, there was a surge of Huga related books, articles, and household products. Journalists from around the world were touring Denmark to document various aspects of this unique lifestyle. The enthusiasm around Denmark was stimulated by the nation's reputation of being the happiest country in the world. Woo! Been hearing that for years. We've been doing that list. Marshall used to do that list every uh, two weeks. Who's the, the happiest <laughs> country in the world? Um, if there has been a downturn in the Huga industry in recent years, it may be because of Finland, which was Marshall's home country, uh, which has now surpassed Denmark in the World Happiness Report four years running. The happiest country in the world is Finland, more or less. Spending next time in the sauna. The Finnish spiritual equivalent of huigi is something far less convivial and more and much more difficult to pronounce. It's kalser kummer not. I wouldn't even try. I knew a guy from Finland. The letters don't mean what you think they mean. <laughs> <laughs> Which translates as pants drunk. Yes. Yes. And refers I, I've been there. And refers to the practice of binge drinking home alone in your underpants. <laughs> I call it Thursday. <laughs> We don't have as complicated a name for it. It's called a Thursday. If you're binge drinking at home alone in sweats, you are just pretentious. I almost want to figure. Drunk. I almost want to figure out how to say this word so I can throw it around for the rest of my life. It's the Finnish word for pants drunk. You know, when you sit around binge drinking in your underpants. <laughs> anyway, it's nice that they have a word for that. Where is this going? I know you would think so, but it is going somewhere. Nobody okay. is more skeptical than the Finns. About the nation, the notion that we are the world's happiest people. This is written by a Finn. This is where it gets interesting. When a cabinet member of the Finnish government was introduced at an international conference recently, the representative of the happiest country in the world, he responded, if that's true, I'd hate to see the other countries. <laughs> Love it. The World Happiness Report, the annual study responsible for these rankings, does not pay any attention to smiles, laughter, or other outward expressions of joy. Instead, the report relies on Gallup polls, which ask respondents to imagine a ladder. Do this yourself right now. Imagine a ladder with steps numbered from 0 to 10. The top rung, 10, represents the best possible life. If you stand on the top rung, you're going to fall and break your neck, and you will no longer be happy. But let's put that aside. <laughs> There's the warning right at the top of the ladder. Yeah. Right. right, right. Uh, the top rung, 10, represents the best possible life for you, while the bottom rung, 0, represents the worst. The survey participants are then instructed to report the number that corresponds with the rung on which they are currently standing. 
In other words, you're deemed happy if your actual life circumstances approximate your highest expectations. Interesting. Compared with most other countries, objective living circumstances in Finland are very good. But there is more to the story. We should not ignore expectations. Right. Consistent with their Lutheran heritage, the Nordic countries are united in their embrace of curbed aspirations for the best possible life. This mentality is famously captured in the Law of Jante, a set of commandments believed to capture something essential about the Nordic disposition to personal success. You're not to think you're anything special. You're not to imagine yourself better than we are. You're not to think you are good at anything. Which in America we would see as uh, a terrible thing, a terrible attitude. Child abuse. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's and, practically uh, a mental illness. It's shaming. It's uh, it's you know it's something horrifying. The Nordic countries embrace a cultural orientation that sets realistic limits to one's expectations for a good life. In these societies, the imaginary ten-step ladder is not as high. The first rung is pretty high up, and the distance between the steps is relatively short. So, yes, I do think culture matters a great deal to understanding why countries like Finland, Denmark, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden score so high in this particular indicator of happiness. But the relevant cultural characteristic is neither huigi nor, unfortunately, uh, that that word for pants drunk. If I had to pick a Scandinavian word to capture the correct cultural ingredient in Nordic happiness, it would probably be the Swedish and Norwegian term lagom, or lagom which can be translated as just the right amount. Lagom is frequently thought to capture the essence of Swedish culture, its embracement of modesty and rejection of excess. In terms of expectations for a good life, Lagom encourages orient, uh, contentment with the life's bare necessities. If you have those, you have nothing to complain about. Ergo, you are happy. Wow, culture. That is really interesting. You know, I come from I come from the Midwest and uh, South Dakota originally, which is populated by all those people you were just mentioning. My mom is adopted, we don't, but almost certainly Scandinavian of some sort. And that is the, 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 the creed of like South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, all those places that, that are full of really happy, pleasant people as uh, is regularly mocked. Yeah, it, you can't swing a loot fisk without hitting a Lutheran. It's just very low expectations for, for life. And that, you, you know, you could, again, in our modern, world as it comes out of New York City, that's a terrible thing to say. Now you got to shoot for the best to be a star. All these different kinds of things. But if your expectations are just, you know, I'm going to have a house, I'm going to feed myself, and the family's going to hang out, we're going to do Little League and barbecues, that's what we're going to do. That's all that's going to be. You're pretty happy. If, that, right. if that's your top rung, you're going to be on it or very close to it. One of my favorite examples that they had in that, that story was the they kind of used the American Rise version of parents tell their kids, when you grow up, you can be president. But the the real thing, or the 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 key to the the process they are describing, when you grow up, you could be president of the homeowners association, I, right? <laughs> Setting more realistic, simple life, the beauty of the simple life goals. I, that may, that all makes so much sense to me, and it explains everybody that I used to live around in in those states I just mentioned. Why they yeah. had why they had the perfectly happy attitude they have. Y- yeah. Yeah, contentment Boy, this is, needs this to This is a this is a thick subject. It's it complicated. The word content needs to be thrown around way more than the word happy. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I, I absolutely get what uh, the author is saying. I see the wisdom in it. I believe it. At the same time, I think mankind needs the unsatisfied, the the never satisfied, the striving, the, the fixated, the uh, the enthusiastic. You know. 
I just, I, I think it takes all kinds. Is it because you step outside, you're going to freeze to death in those countries? Is that what's at work here? Uh, <laughs> I think you can do both. I, I think you can have, you know, as long as I got, uh, you know, got an okay house, okay car and kids. Everybody's healthy. I'm happy. I think you can have that and try to invent an airplane. I don't think they, I don't think they are separated. I don't think the Elon Musks of the world are necessarily going to not exist if we stop telling every child they could become president. I would right? agree with that I, also. I think those people, those high-octane brains will kind of rise above anyways. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's my... Yeah, it could be. Summary. You know, it's funny. As a kid, I had the classic uh, feeling about, you know, you could grow up to be president and blah, blah, blah. Uh, now that I know much more about the presidency, it sounds like a threat. <laughs> it sounds like what you say to them to get them to eat their vegetables. I certainly would think if everybody wants to be uh, a YouTube star or whatever it is you want to be, and that's, you know, all the, your goals in life, as opposed to just regular run-of-the-mill house on the end of the block you know, with friends, with and friends, family and, and, and just yeah, right. that's just what we do. Well, I can understand why one company country would be happy and one would not be not. I don't know. Uh, I think the first thing is a recipe for misery. Your thoughts? Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. I thought that was really interesting, and especially learning the Finnish word for pants drunk. Mm, indeed, you can email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Drinking alone in your underpants. Hmm. Armstrong and Getty.